Welcome to the Jacked on the Beanstalk Vegan Podcast, hosted by the Shorky Sisters. Repping the vegan hippie meatheads of the world is Sam, the first ever vegan World Naturals Bikini Pro, coach, author, and blogger, who's got an ass that's out of this world. Repping the busy, tired moms of the world is Sarah, and her ass is, well, mediocre. Together, they're on a mission to live with purpose and unlock the mysteries of a healthy mind, body, and spirit. So grab a seat in the back of Sarah's minivan and enjoy the ride. Everybody and welcome to the 42nd episode of the Jacked on the Beanstalk podcast. I am your host, Samantha Lynn Shorky, and that is the first time that I have ever shared my actual middle name in our little intro. That's a little different, eh, Siri? Let's mm-hmm. go with it. All right. In that case, I am Sarah Ann Shorky, co-host and sister older sister who is actually wearing a very sexy little top that I gave her recently and I gotta say this might be the cutest I've ever seen Sarah look in a very long time perhaps even ever perhaps because it is my old shirt although I didn't really ever wear it it's practically brand new I love how when you compliment me it actually turns into a compliment of yourself well it's self-love Sarah the person most deserving of love should always be thyself You certainly practice that. But anyway, we have got a great interview lined up for everybody this week, and it is with one of my fave fellow vegan bikini competitor pals, Nadej Corcoran. But before we get into that interview, I'm really hoping we've finally mastered these effing new microphones. God, so do I. I feel like our audio was very clear the first time we attempted having our own individual mics that were not cheap, let it be known, but the last episode, and I do apologize to everybody, it had Sarah sounding like she was right there cuddled up next to your ear and like I was deep down inside a cave or something somewhere far off into the distance. Like a tin can. Yeah, I'm still not really sure what the hell happened there. And honestly, guys, I really do appreciate your patience and your understanding of the fact that we are not audio technicians or sound guys, but I am determined to create the perfect audio experience for everyone listening. And I am slowly building on my experience and home recording equipment. So please hang in there, even if this episode sounds shitty again. I'm sorry, but we're trying here, guys. Does this mean you're going to stop yelling at me for having cat mouths? And is anyone else getting really sick of hearing about these effing mics and the sound quality? Yeah, excuse me that it drives me insane how dehydrated Sarah is and her clicking mouth noises. Then I have to spend several hours trying to edit out her disgusting, irritating, lip-smacking dry mouth. So Okay, it was one time. I had just drank a large coffee, I was already pissing like a racehorse, and you were trying to force me to drink an entire gallon of water to drown the cat mouth. Well, apparently it didn't do shit. Nevertheless, Sarah is currently armed with a large glass of water, everybody. And I'm dying to pee. And we both have our headphones in and our individual microphones. And we are really, really, really hoping that this recording sounds like ocean waves washing up against your eardrums. Or maybe like your cat licking your ear while you're trying to sleep. But anyway, this week's episode is sure to interest all you listeners who've been following me since my fitness bikini competition days. And as I mentioned earlier, we do have a very special guest joining us. 
She is a fellow vegan bikini competitor who has been killing it on the stage. And she's also my good francophone Canadian pal who I was lucky enough to hang with this past weekend at the Veg Summit in Montreal. And so later that night, I had Nadej meet me at my hotel for an intimate little chat and Q&A. She is lovely. She is talented and oh so jacked on the beanstalk. She also goes under the alias Rabid Rabbit. And I wanted to interview her because I have yet to shoot the shit with a fellow competitive bikini athlete on the podcast about all things vegan bodybuilding and nutrition. And I knew that Nadej would make for a super fun and very informative podcast guest where we can discuss the many ups and downs, ins and outs of prep life and making it to the stage. So are you excited for this interview or what, Sarah? Can't wait. Well, let's not waste any time. Nadej, interestingly enough, works as the regional vice president of strategic solutions through her position at Acreon in Montreal. It is a consulting company that solves critical business needs for its clients, and it was this experience as a change manager that sparked Nadej to make a huge transformative change in her own life, going from meat eater to vegan, and then of course, becoming a bikini competitor. As a career, she literally helps multi-million dollar projects become successful, and that's exactly what she created in her own life, allowing her to lose 55 pounds in the process. Nadej has won local, regional, and provincial shows here in Canada, and has even competed on a national level for the last two years. And what is super unique about her is she never trained before she went vegan, so literally every muscle on her body is 100% plant-built. We had an awesome chat last week, and I am honored to call this vegan babe a friend. So without further ado, here is my interview with fellow vegan bikini competitor, Nadej Corcoran. I hope for her sake she was well hydrated for her interview. Shut up, Sarah. I am here with Nadej Corcoran, who is a fellow vegan bikini competitor and we are both on cloud nine right now because we were both speakers at the veg summit here in Montreal, Quebec and I just had to get Nadej on the podcast before I head on back to Ottawa. So everybody, please welcome my friend and fellow vegan meathead, Nadej. Thank you, Nadej, for coming on the podcast. No problem. It is a pleasure. Awesome. So Nadej actually does a lot of speaking in her full-time gig, which she will explain that in a moment. But first, tell us your vegan origin story and how you came to be who you are as a vegan bikini competitor. Perfect. Well, I was that little kid at four years old that connected the cow on the plate to the cow in the field. And once that's happened, um, my heart was broken. I didn't understand why we had dogs and I loved birds and I loved rabbits and why I was eating the cow. So I started crying and I didn't want to eat it and I was uh, putting up a fuss every time and my mother said, well, you have to. That's how you get protein. It was just one of those things where the education back 30 years ago just wasn't what it is today. So I was kind of stuck and uh, as my parents called it, I grew out of it. I don't think I did, but (laughs) I think I just numbed my soul for a little bit. I like that. Yeah. And then eventually uh, I was gaining weight at a pretty crazy rapid rate. I got out of university after very many crab dinner meals and (laughs) I was pretty heavy. Uh, I was borderline obese. I was just below obese. Yeah. And I was pre-diabetic and my entire family was diabetic. I was scheduled for a breast reduction because I was so overweight, my back was starting to ache and my spine was starting to curve. So I wasn't doing so good. And uh, as a change manager in my current job, I figured I could just figure this out. I can change. I can do something about this. And um, as crazy as it sounded, I thought immediately that nutrition would have to do something with it because I knew that's how I got fat. So if that's how I got fat, that has to be how I'm not 
going to be fat anymore. And instead of just accepting my fate, I decided to do something. And I watched Forks Over Knives, which I think is an awakening moment for a lot of people when they watch it. And it made me realize that I could reverse my health problems, but also lose the weight. And that the calling I had in my soul when I was four years old was connected to what was making me sick today. So link the two together, overnight vegan and never looked back. So that's six years ago now, approximately. And you were full on meat eater. Full on. Wow. Yeah, one day just turned the switch and decided I was done. I'm a 100% type of person. And you were also 100% not working out at the time. Exactly. So again, knowing transition is slow for some people, I decided to tackle nutrition first and then add on the fitness aspect later. So I spent two years solely vegan, changing my diet, whole food, plant-based, um, not concerned about exercise. And I was on a very, very steady weight loss just by changing, not even feeling like it was a diet. Were you tracking? macros at the time were you being mindful of your protein intake or anything you just literally were you a junk food vegan at first whole food plant-based yeah it was literally like whatever forks over knives preached for reversing disease is what I was doing. Cool. Yeah, so I was eating a lot of vegetables, grains. I wasn't concerned about any macros. I literally was not on a diet. I was just eating good food. I lost 40 pounds like that wow. from the 70 pounds in total that I ended up losing. When my progress stalled is when I thought, well, probably should add a little bit of fitness in that. That's probably the next thing to kick things off. And I still to this day, that's the one thing I can't figure out how I did it. I stepped into a CrossFit gym by myself. That's a pretty scary thing to do for somebody who's never worked out a day in their life. Right. I went to CrossFit. I joined CrossFit. I was there for a year. They taught me how to lift uh, barbells. And I wasn't afraid of lifting anymore. I was, you know, gaining strength. They were really good coaches, but they always said, well, you'd lift more if you ate meat. Mm Because they're so paleo, right? Yep, yep. CrossFit is known for being very heavy into the paleo diet, Mm -hmm. as we all know. Yeah, so I got a little sick of that. I'm deadlifting 200 pounds and you're telling me, well, you would lift more if you ate meat. Well, I think I'm okay. I think Mm -hmm. 200 pounds for a woman is sufficient. Really good. Yeah, I think I'm good. So I decided that wasn't for me anymore. I was a little tired of hearing it. And I joined uh, another gym where I had a personal trainer and they taught me how to go around dumbbells and machines, which was still new to me and that trainer was super okay with my plant-based eating and he just recommended that I eat a lot more he said your calories are really too low to be building muscle and it was I had been on a steady weight loss for almost four years at that it would have been two years of just that and then added the fitness so I added started a little bit more mindful about my macros and my protein intake and all of just what it is that I need to recover and then I started realizing I was gaining not only strength like I was at CrossFit but muscle and I started getting addicted to what I was seeing in the mirror and that's when I thought so you saw more results when you were on your own at the gym or working with a trainer than just doing CrossFit oh yes oh Oh yes when I did CrossFit I was still losing weight and I was getting stronger at the same time which is usually not together but I had plenty of fat so it was good. (laughs) Uh, Nadege is uh, referencing a point in my talk today (laughs) where I said that most people need to be in a caloric surplus in order to gain muscle unless you have a high amount of body fat already then you are able to turn it into muscle. Which I did. Yeah, she (laughs) was listening to my talk. I like it. I was, yeah. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, I I ended up starting to gain muscle when I watched my macros. And once that happens, I thought to myself, I can prove these people wrong. It's like I felt like the world didn't know something. So it was the paleo people that kind of inspired you. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. I I thought to myself, they think I can't build muscle, but here I am, the scientific marvel, apparently, building muscle on beans, you know? Mm -hmm. It's doable. So I thought, what can I do to say that? And I'm not, although I speak a lot, I'm not that social of a person Mm -hmm. in normal life. And I'm not one to go stand up on a soapbox it's a soapbox and spread the message you know Mm -hmm. and I figured if I do a competition I can just show people what I did now your first competition was actually figure division not bikini so what what made you decide to go figure rather than bikini well I have naturally not that small of a waist I mean I was a lot bigger as well in when I started uh, my first competition prep I was a lot 
bigger. So there was no definition on my waist yet. That's the last place I lost the weight. So I was a little bit blockier, I guess. So I mean, I have wider shoulders naturally. Mm-hmm. So my coach thought figure would be an appropriate place to go. Oh, okay. I just had the body shape, genetically speaking, I guess. If you were to add a lot of muscle onto me, I would look more like figure. And in case anybody is wondering, typically if you have a figure type body, you're more V shaped. So you've got the wide lats, the big shoulders, and your legs are more streamlined. Whereas bikini, it's very much, I describe it as an X shape. So you've got the tiny, waist the broad shoulders and of course the big booty exactly and I definitely do not have the big booty even to this day really yeah no you've got some booty going. I had to work hard I'm fighting genetics every step of the way and you know what people don't realize just how hard it is to build an ass like it takes so much time an ass is harder to build than any other body type even if you have good genetics I find I agree I agree and I think people under underestimate the difficulty of building muscle yeah losing weight is much easier losing weight and building muscle while you have a surplus of fat to begin with like if you're in that end of the spectrum it's much easier than being somebody who's super skinny who decides to build muscle absolutely yeah I find that I as soon as my fat was gone I started having difficulty building muscle. Like it's a lot more work if you want to be a natural bodybuilder. And you have to eat Mm -hmm. and you have to lift incredibly heavy and be incredibly consistent with your diet and exercise. It's a lot harder. For sure. Yeah. All right. So you decided to compete and how was that first prep for you? It was good, but again, I had been dieting, really, if you think about it, at that point, probably a total of four years three, four years consistently dieting in the eyes of the world because I was eating a lot healthier. So a lot of vegetables, a lot of fruits. So going tighter was easier. But then I did 12 shows in three years. Whoa, yeah. she's a seasoned competitor. <laughs> Holy crap. But the last four were absolute nightmares. Oh, really? Yeah, my body was like, no, no more. Exactly. And that's what people don't realize too. To do a first show is actually so much easier, even though mentally, because it's such a shock to you and what's normal to you, we all think, oh, this is so difficult. But the longer you compete, the harder it gets because your body does not want to go in those shock modes anymore. And people don't realize that. Like anyone who's competing for years, I have so much sympathy for them Mm -hmm. because it is so incredibly difficult and it really messes with your metabolism. Your body naturally wants to hold on to fat and people don't realize that so when you initially do that first show and really shock your body it will take to those changes so much quicker than somebody who's been doing it a long time a hundred percent all right so okay so first let's go back to that first show what was your biggest struggle or did you find it pretty easy all around I found it pretty easy. The idea of posing was a little daunting to me. I thought I I don't mind the showmanship of of the stage. I didn't mind that I was a half naked. I thought that's pretty motivating to lose the fat. Yeah. To know that I'm gonna be dressed in a bikini on stage. Mm-hmm. I found that a pretty okay journey, but learning the poses was a little uncomfortable. Um, it's I find figure pretty mechanical. Right. It's good to that point that it's very um, regulated to a degree. Everybody's doing the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. But there was not very much space for creativity. And I found that hard. Okay. Which explains my switch to bikini. Okay, so you find the bikini poses is more comfortable? A hundred percent. Wow, It's more me. It's more like, you know, that girly whole... Yeah. feminine. I'm pretty girly as a, as a person. Like, I'm earrings and jewelry and mm-hmm. high heels. And so I found it just fit my personality a little better. Okay. But I knew it didn't fit my body. Although, I compete in non-tested events every yeah. time, even though I'm a hundred percent natural. So right. I'll pee in a cup any day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but nobody cares because nobody else would. Yep. <laughs> so I compete in, in non-tested events, which means that they're pretty muscular, even mm-hmm. in bikini. And I find that my size up top is just right. 
Right. Whereas in figure, I'd probably be struggling by now at the national levels. I wouldn't have made it to the national levels. Like you just didn't have enough muscle? I didn't, no. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I could get lean enough, but I just didn't have the size that right, these right. girls have. Yeah, and it's getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, well, and they all are. Bikini is getting bigger as yeah. well. So as bikini was getting bigger, it almost came to get the size that I had on the upper body already after that many shows. And so it just made sense for me to stick to bikini because my top's right I just need to work on the lower half now okay so once you decided to go bikini how did your training change from figure to bikini it didn't change very much because I was the first bikini athlete for my coach so yeah he had never ever trained uh, bikini athletes really he was a figure his wife is an IFBB pro figure and he hadn't really done training for bikini so I was kind of an experiment he had already decided that he would never train bikini but he had trained me for two shows and I'm pretty dedicated person and he's like, well, I guess she's going to stick to it. So let's try it. And now he has several bikini athletes. Cool. And we do have a little bit of a different training. But this is my first off season, having competed in 12 shows. So I never really had a big build, I guess, right. uh, period. So as a coach, you would probably agree or disagree. But I don't know that it matters that much what you're doing for an exercise when you're leaning down. Because you're losing muscle anyways. Yeah, so just so- trying to hold on, right? So that 12 shows, that was over how long? of a period three years so let's talk about the mental aspect because that's something we cover a lot on the podcast that had to be very tough mentally to give it you know 110 percent every day for this short period of time but you were basically in prep mode all the time I I was so what what motivated you to keep going I'm a creature of habit and it became my normal so it was actually scary not to compete. Okay. This is my first time now not competing. So I competed in April at a, it was an international show and a national. And then I stopped and I thought for sure I was going to have a panic attack because the thought that that wasn't my normal anymore, that I wasn't going to have to weigh every ounce of food going in my mouth, which I'd been doing for three years, was very scary. Like, mm-hmm. where is that? I'm a hundred in or a hundred out. Right. And I was afraid I would be a hundred out. Therefore, I'm going to go back to my old eating habits and just gain all the weight I had lost, right? right? So it was very difficult mentally when I stopped. The during, I actually found that easy, but I think I'm an anomaly. Mm-hmm. Prep is comfortable. Okay. My body said no more, so right. I couldn't, I had like about three or four pounds that I would have wanted to lose last show, which seems like nothing to people, but on stage it's a lot. It's a lot. And I knew I could get leaner if I had not beaten up my body so much. Right. So. so what signals was your body giving you that you had to take a break? Well, I wasn't building muscle, so I wasn't going to make any more changes. Mm-hmm. So it was either I keep stepping on stage and look exactly the same with just a little bit more fat every time. But right. at the last show, I was on maybe 1,100 calories, burning close to 3,000 a day right. and couldn't lose weight. So when that happens, I, I said to my coach, I wish I had lost the last few pounds. And he said, short of killing you, we weren't doing it right. naturally. Right. And that's another thing, too. I refuse any fat burners, mm-hmm. any I'm not doing any of that. So doing it naturally, it wasn't going to happen. So let's talk what were some of those fat burning methods? Like I'm sure you were at least taking some vitamins or or any kind of supplements or what did your cardio look like? How were you desperately trying to lose those few pounds? I know our listeners would love to know. Did not take any vitamins, did not take anything. Even today you don't take any vitamins? No. Wow, not even B12? No, and I'm petrified to say that. I think I'm going to get crucified by the vegan community, but I don't take B12. I do drink almond milk which it has in it fortified right right? and I do eat a lot of nutritional yeast fortified with b12 and were you always doing nutritional yeast right up until the end of your prep oh yeah nutritional yeast is forever yeah (laughs) yeah preaching to the choir oh yeah on on a big loaf of seitan We are not gluten-free bodybuilders No, give me all, you don't want gluten? I'll take the gluten. Okay, all right, so, okay, so no supplements. No. How much cardio were you doing at the end? At the end, I was up to 90 minutes or to two hours. Wow. Yeah, it was insane, and I had an hour of training. So basically 45 minutes in the morning, 45 minutes at night, or? I had the leisure of breaking it up how I could fit it in, and so I would stop when I felt like crying. (laughs) 
<laughs> and this is very normal, guys. At the end of a prep, I remember fighting back tears mm-hmm. while I was in the gym because you were so depleted and your mind, your hormones, everything is out of whack. So again, bodybuilding is not healthy, Mm-mm. but wow, 90 minutes of cardio, that's pretty brutal. Yeah, 90 to 120. And then, Aye. yeah, the the I was at the point where my, my street to go, I turned the corner to go to my street after work and I'm looking down the street to where my door is to get to my house and I started crying at the corner of the street. I didn't think I could walk that far. Now I know this is a personal question but because I've met her husband and he's awesome (laughs) and I can recall I had boyfriends during prep and I didn't even have the energy to have sex. Oh no. And here I looked so good. Oh yeah no. And I was like you know what I can't expend the energy Mm -mm. or the calories to have sex. Like did it affect your relationship at all? He seems so supportive. Yeah. Was it tough at all? It's tough and I think he's a trooper for standing by me through any thing and you're right you don't have the energy you can't even pretend and we actually talk about it quite openly before and he'll be like is it getting close to that time where you don't have energy because he'll like to know like I'm not gonna put us through a discussion about it every time right so you're right you look amazing you're like hard as rock Mm -hmm. and you can't do anything yeah you can't I I just can't no sex drive you literally have no sex drive there's no energy if it requires energy I I saw myself laying on the table to eat my food like my head down on the table I need to put this food in my body but I can't hold my body up anymore I'm literally shaking my head guys because I've been there and I think people underestimate just how grueling and how much dedication and sacrifice goes into this stuff it's not to me it's not a bucket list thing I I, I see these people saying I want to go on stage for a bucket list run a marathon right do a photo shoot I love that I tell and you know what see I get clients all the time who say I don't want to compete I just want to look like I do and it's a fine line because what is the point of putting yourself through that unless you're going to step on stage because it's not sustainable for anyone exactly and honestly up close I don't think we look that great at yeah, that, oh, at God, that level. No. yeah you know what's funny I was looking at a photo of me the day before I won first place in a competition and I literally look so disgusting my head I have a small head to begin with yet it looks giant on my body and yet I won first place and the stage photos I don't look like how I looked the day before Mm -hmm. I was Skeletor in Mm -hmm. real life but on stage I actually did not look that bad so it's so much smoke and mirrors involved that people do not realize so I love that you're admitting all this and we can share this with everybody I think it's important for people to know that because it's really an illusion. So how did you manage to juggle a full-time job during this time? I have a very flexible job. Good. Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm pretty senior at my company, which means that I can work late if I need to and not work all the days of the week if I want to catch up another day and I don't feel great that day. But it didn't really affect affect my work again I'm like that 100% in which is usually the typical characteristic of a burnout person like a person at risk for burnout so probably I I should have been more careful I wasn't I was probably burning the candle from all ends possible (laughs) there's probably four ends and they were all burning Uh, but I I did do my job and I was successful at my job while being successful at competing while being successful at not losing my marriage Mm So when did you find the time to fit in meal prep? And do you have any tips for anybody how to meal prep and juggle all of these responsibilities? So for the workouts, I do them in the morning. Oh, okay. So before work, you're doing most of your cardio. And all my lifting. Oh, okay. People say you shouldn't lift fasted. I eat late enough at night to, I feel fine lifting fasted and the reason I do that is because I know I'm not gonna bail on myself at 5 30 a.m. right it's a meeting I gotta go yep and so nobody's calling me nobody's interrupting me so some people get up and they mosey around and drink their coffee I choose to lift 
I'm, I, I'm the coffee drinker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I know that once I start my work day, I'm locked into something else right. and it might become difficult to actually get to the gym. So it makes me feel good. For meal prepping, for me, flexible dieting is everything. It's absolutely everything. Macro tracking. Yes, because that avoids a lot of, like, I don't do Sunday meal prep. I don't oh. have a thousand containers in my fridge. I grab what I want because all of my food fits macros. It's all high protein, some high carb, some low carb, and mo- when I'm competing, mostly everything low fat. Okay, so like what would a typical day of food look like? To an exception, I sometimes I'll like prepare some vegetables that I want cooked, but if not, I'll grab a whole head of cauliflower and two garden scallopinis and walk out the door with it. I've seen myself... You'll eat eat the cauliflower raw? And I don't even like it. And you're probably super farty. I actually don't. I was... (laughs) We were just talking about that. I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't get bloated. I don't get gassy. I don't know what it is. Raw cauliflower? I eat it. just asking for farts. (laughs) I I, I eat it. Okay, But I'll sometimes put like a paper towel over top of it that's wet and I'll steam it in the microwave. Oh, I bet everyone at work loves you. I don't for that. actually care. You're 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 cooking dead animals in that microwave. That's your problem. Yeah, but nothing is worse than microwave broccoli. <laughs> I actually don't really like broccoli or kale. I'm probably the only vegan that'll say that. Okay, you but need an air fryer. Air fryer. I have one. Cauliflower is the best. I agree with you. If I have time, I will air fry it or even just throw it in a pan or something and just. Right. And what was the meat? The fake meat you said you grabbed? A garden scallop are like my everything. That's like the fake fish? No, it's like, I think it's supposed to be pork. Oh, okay. Or chicken. I've never chicken. Tried I those. think it's chick- supposed to be like a fake chicken. And the macros are good on those? Unreal. Really? Unreal. All right, I'm going to have to check these out. Guardian scallopinis, guys. Yeah. Let's, let's all get on board. So Guardian's I, awesome. I've seen myself leave for work after my gym and look at my macros for the day, punch something in and be like, well, I guess I'm eating a pack of Eve's bologna for lunch. It's or the tofurkey yeah. deli slices are 100%. awesome macros. Okay, so you're really a convenience yeah. big on the macro tracking. Yeah. Okay, no, I like it. No time for prepping. No time for fuss. If I do have time, I will make a better meal than that. But most of the time, I'll just grab something and go. I mean, convenience because, I, like you said, I have my work. I have my workout. I'd rather not skip on that stuff. A nutrient's a nutrient. Right. Yeah, no, I like that. Yeah. Okay, so what then are your go-to protein sources at the end of a prep? Because I'm pretty sure you're not eating these high-sodium... <laughs> Gardein and tofurkey processed meats. Gluten, 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 gluten. Really? Gluten. Yes. So seitan does have awesome macros, but I actually don't recommend it to my clients at the end of a prep because it can be very bloaty. So I don't, I don't know if it would be called seitan, but I take vital wheat gluten, put some water with it. Sometimes if I have enough carbs, I'll put some chickpea flour and I put it into a pancake grilled between two grills. No fat. Like a panini grill? Yeah, but the flat one. And I'll put it between that and it becomes a pancake. And that thing is everything I eat. I eat it a thousand times a day. Why do you eat it with? Well, if I have enough carbs, it'll be ketchup. If if not, uh, it'll be mustard. And you don't even add salt to it? Nope. And it's disgusting. Okay, I was going to say, does this taste good? (laughs) Oh, I can make it taste good when I'm not on prep. But at the very end, I'll suffer through. This is another thing, too. I'm super compliant. You tell me those are my macros, I will eat the macros you give me. Wow. They were terrible. I had, like, I think 10 grams of fat. What can you do with that? You can't do anything with that. I had, like, something crazy, like, 70, 60 grams of carbs. And then I had, you know, (laughs) 200 grams of protein. How the hell am I going to deal with this? Yeah, and I guess you literally could not do anything but seitan. Yeah, spinach, maybe, if I was lucky that day. So, okay, so you literally would just take vital wheat gluten flour, mix it with water, no spices, Sometimes if I was not so sad about what I was eating, I'd try to dig for spices. Okay, and then you'd put it in a panini grill. Yep. Grill it on both sides into a pancake and dip it in ketchup. 
question? All right, guys. I think we have found somebody whose prep meals were even worse than what I ate. And I will include photos of my top disgusting meals from prep. And I'm going to try her pancake and post that as well with my review just to uh, feel her for that one brief moment. But I'm going to tell you, it doesn't look as bad as it tastes. It's going to look pretty good. People are not going to feel bad for you. Wow, that is so crazy. Okay, so what about exercise? Like what kind of a training mythology do you follow during prep? Is it like upper body, lower body splits? Do you do two muscle groups per session? Yeah. Drop sets, supersets, giant sets, what? A lot of supersets when I was at the end of my prep. Right. Uh, again, I think it just burns more calories. Yes. So higher rep ranges. And I'll, most of the time it was two muscle groups. But my legs, I was training them probably every other day at that point. And I still am now that I'm on building. Mm-hmm. I'm just not feeling like I'm going to die because right. I'm eating. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, good, good. Yeah, so training my legs every other day still today. But they're actually growing. Okay. Yeah. yeah you got great legs. Well, thank you. Yeah. I took my measurements and I'm my weight has stayed close to the same the entire time. I've been off season now for, I want to say, six months or close to it. Oh, wow. And yeah, I have about one inch more on my butt. Yeah. And I'm thinking my waist is stayed the same. So that's a pretty yeah, that's, good sign. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully it's true. I mean, we're just maintaining my upper body. Not trying right. to build it up at all. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And of course, as you lean down, your butt is going to lose a bit of mass because an ass is mostly fat. Mm-hmm. So I always say like, I love my ass in the off season, not as much as when I'm in prep mode, but no pun intended. That's <laughs> all the, the way puns. the cookie crumbles. All right, so do you have any advice for anybody who is thinking about competing? Would you say go for it or any tips for things to be mindful of? I'd say the first thing is be ready to be compliant because if you're not going to give it your all, you're not going to feel good when you step on stage. Mm -hmm. So that would be the first thing. And so if you're not ready to do all your training against all odds, do all your cardio, do the gross pancake if you have to at the end of your prep, then don't do it because you are not going to feel that great when you step on stage knowing that you left something out there. Exactly. And that's what I always say too. Mm -hmm. Do everything every day that you need to so when you get on stage, you know that you did everything you could and you feel that much more confident once you get up there. That's right. Because it, it doesn't matter if you win or don't win. Whether you worked hard or not, that's not going to win. But you're at least going to feel like that was the best you could bring. Bodybuilding is a long haul sport because it takes forever to build muscle. We know it. Even if you step on stage and you win right away, you're not going to stay there because once you get to the next level, everybody else is also winning. So it's a gradual thing where you're growing into the sport and the longer you do it, the better you're going to do at the higher Mm -hmm. levels. But one thing I always say to people is don't go on stage to find your self-confidence. You're not going to find it there. You're actually going to lose it. Amen, sister. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's no self-confidence to be found on stage. You better have it before you step there. Exactly. You better have a thick skin Mm -hmm. going into this because it is not going to make you come out a more confident person. You are going to nitpick the shit out of your body afterwards. I actually probably had less nitpicking of my body when I was overweight. That's exactly what I always say. I thought I was more fit before I got into competing. Yeah, because I mean, it's a visual sport. You're looking for something specific Mm -hmm. and your only marker of what people are looking for is whoever won. So by nature, you're going to compare. And whatever feedback you get from the judges, you can't help but think that when you're looking at your own body. Yeah, and they're they're right. For the sport, they're right. And uh, you're putting yourself in that situation. That's it. Judge me. Scrutinize me. Pick my body apart because I am choosing a sport that is the most shallow sport <laughs> imaginable. Exactly. But what the way I look at bodybuilding, the reason I keep doing it is because it's the only thing that is the equivalent of if you run all the time, you're going to want to enter a race to know how well you can do. It's the only time that you 
bring that body fat down to really see the muscle you built. Yes, I love that. It's like unwrapping a gift every time. It has nothing to do with the other competitors. I know I brought my best. I know that I look at least like I belong there. Whether I'm the best to the judges that day, depending on who else shows up, is not really here or there at that point. And you know what? That's something I actually really love and respect about you is I see all of your photos and I remember when you first came on to the vegan bodybuilding scene and we were friends very early on on Facebook and every show, no matter what you placed, you always had a smile on your face. You always shared, yep, got fourth place or whatever, (laughs) but it was a great fun time and looking forward to the next one. And you know, you weren't a sore loser. You weren't, you know, you always just had this great attitude towards it and hey, it is what it is. I got shredded and I beat myself. That's it. And sometimes I didn't beat myself. Mm -hmm. There's shows where I came on stage and like I said, my body stopped responding. I would say that the last show I did, I didn't look as good as four shows ago. And that four shows ago is actually the show I'm going to be looking to beat when I go on stage in the spring next time. Right. Because that was my best look and I look at it and I can tell it was my best look. Mm -hmm. I I think that my posing carried me on my last show when I I placed second. Which is so important. People don't realize how important good posing is. Yeah, I had the experience over the girls on the stage and I think I could have lost another three, four pounds at least. And I think just the fact that I had the experience, the nerves didn't get me. I was just having fun. I was being supernatural and I did everything correctly and I had confidence and I was having fun and the judges appreciated it. So yeah, I, I, I think it carried me on those last shows. I did not look as good as I did four shows ago. So when, if you're doing your next show is in spring, when will you start officially prepping or are you already prepping for that? Absolutely not. I'm going to, maintaining, I'm just finally hitting that stride of maintaining, feeling really good about it. I think I'm going to probably start in January, maybe February, depending on how much weight I think I need to lose, depending on how much I gained. But yeah, if I have like 15 pounds to lose, I probably could do it starting in February. If I have about 20, I probably will start in January, just at least tightening up my diet a little bit. And you hear that? She is a seasoned competitor, yet she is still giving herself 20 weeks to prep. This is a long-term goal, and this is not something that anybody can walk off the street and say, 12 weeks, I want to enter my first bodybuilding competition. And you know what's going to happen? And this is another thing. I was just talking to somebody else about this not too long ago. If somebody's just walking off the street and they don't have much muscle because they weren't working out that strictly, they're going to look skinny. Mm-hmm. And they and they're, they might look shredded, but this isn't a weight loss competition. Exactly. You're not going to necessarily do that well just because you're really shredded. Mm-hmm. You have to also have muscle. It is exactly. a bodybuilding show. Totally. So don't think that you failed because you didn't place well. But you're right. 12 weeks is not sufficient for anybody because I can't call it like my tightening my diet phase and then actually strict macro tracking. Maybe I don't go out to eat three times a week. Right. You know? Yeah. So I I like to give myself plenty of time to kind of ease back into it. Me too. Like I always tell people, yes, I won first place in my first ever show, but I prepped eight months for it. And I was bodybuilding for a good two years before that. That's it. If somebody does their first show and they have eight weeks and they've never lifted until that eight weeks started, you're not going to win. No, you'll be a skinny girl on stage Mm -hmm. and that's it. So don't go that skinny and book yourself a photo shoot and keep lifting. Yeah. Yeah, just go a little bit more full and then stay there. Exactly. I mean, people can do whatever they want, but it might discourage somebody. The sport is a good sport. I think it's a a really fascinating sport because... It's an interesting subculture, that's for sure. It's entertaining. But there's, there's nothing better than being the older girl on stage that's not eating meat, that was overweight that you know is standing next to these people on drugs and I win yeah there's nothing better than that (laughs) yeah okay so on that note who and what would you say are your biggest inspirations I honestly always said that my biggest inspiration or my biggest reason for doing what I do is for all the little four-year-old girls out there that their mom thinks they can't not eat meat and nothing from my mother she didn't know but I want mothers to know today and I want them to be able to look at their kid and say, I know you can be vegan like your parents did. I was going to say, so what did you think then when I told the story of a 
at eight years old saying, mom, I don't want to eat meat anymore. And she was like, I have no idea what I'm going to feed you, but let's figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, That's impressive. Especially where you guys live Mm -hmm. on a farm, really. She was a farm girl. Yeah. It's impressive. It's it's something special. And I think your mom really did good there to listen. My mother just didn't know about uh, the fact that you can obviously not survive, but Mm -hmm. thrive on a vegan diet. So what does she think now? She's vegan now. No way. Yeah, Uh, that's awesome. Okay, Okay. well, I think that is an awesome place to end this interview. So, Nadege, how can everybody reach you if they want to follow you and watch your prep? Because she is so good about sharing workouts and recipes. And if you guys want that seitan pancake (laughs) recipe, I'm sure she'll post it at some point. So how can everybody follow you? Yeah, I'm on Instagram a lot more than anywhere else. Nadege Corcoran is my handle on Instagram. You can search Rabid Rabbit on anything. Uh, I'm also on rabidrabbit.ca. Rabid, like rabies? Oh, yeah. I like that. Okay, and we will have links to all of her social media handles on the show notes for this episode. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. This was great. And we will definitely follow your journey and best of luck in your next show. Thank you. And there you have it, folks. I personally think my biggest takeaway from this interview with Nadej was the realization that there are actually people in this world who eat even more disgusting vegan bodybuilding meals than I have in my own competition prep. Who knew? So I feel as though I now have to try her bland and boring seitan pancake with ketchup and possibly record my reaction to it. And of course, that would only make sense for you to try it with me, Sarah. I'm not eating that shit. Come on, it'll add to the entertainment value. It's all about those likes and views, Sarah. And speaking of YouTube, we are very serious, everybody listening, about getting more active over there. So very soon, you can expect bi-weekly videos of us Shorty Sisters where we will be sharing vegan health tips and the latest in juicy vegan gossip and current events. So if you have not yet subscribed to the Jacked on the Beanstalk YouTube channel, be sure to do so, although I feel like it's actually under Samantha Shorky. So search Samantha Shorky on YouTube and you should find it, or click the little YouTube icon via my brand new fancy website at www.jackedonthebeanstalk.com, which I should say it's not new, but it is newly revamped and it will take you directly to my YouTube channel once you click that little YouTube icon. And in other news, this week's iTunes review of the week comes to us from somebody named Moonshaker4. It is five stars, of course, and it is titled Love the Shorty Sisters, and it is a very sweet and complimentary review. And since you've basically contributed nothing to this entire episode, Sarah, minus looking sexy as frock in my shirt you're what is going to sexy why is this a sexy you look very shirt nice today anyways you will be reading this week's itunes review of the week and please read it in a sexy voice great these ladies never fail to make me laugh Ooh, that is sexy they're really funny and always keep it real they take on some of life's uncomfortable topics and make them approachable we all fart Ooh, tell me more <laughs> Why not talk about it? (laughs) Sam is full of vegan fitness knowledge. So I always come away having learned something new. I love the karaoke segment at the end. Oh yeah, baby. (laughs) This is gross. I know. This is making me feel very sisters. Yeah. Okay, continue. I always try to guess what song Sarah's going to pick. And then I sing along. Keep up the great work. Aw. Well, minus your creepy voice, which actually was, uh, you you nailed the sexy voice. I like it. But that was a very sweet review, so thank you, Moonshaker, for, for that one, whatever Moonshaker means. It was very sweet, and yet I feel like I made it very dirty. Sorry, Moonshaker. I don't even know what Moonshaker means. Maybe she's got her own thing going on there. Twerker, maybe. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Please let us know in the show notes for this episode, Moonshaker. What what does that name mean? And the suspense, Moonshaker. Actually, she mentioned, and a few people have mentioned, that they always try to guess the song. Really? Yeah, then I always wonder if they came up with something better than I did. 
or if they're thinking, what the hell is this piece of crap? Well, speaking of pieces of crap, what song will we be singing to conclude this week's episode, Sarah? Well, I think we're going to have a record number of sing-alongs here. Uh, Moonshaker 4 will definitely be singing along to this one. All right. Maybe even shaking her moon. However, since it takes forever before the chorus kicks in, if you have anything important to say to our listeners, do it now because the only people who will actually stick around to the end are probably the uh, hardcore karaoke performers or Journey fans. Oh, we're singing a Journey song. Oh yeah, Don't Stop Believin'. Hell yeah, classic. I certainly do not have anything to say that could be more important than the wise words of Journey, and that is, don't stop believing, guys. Cue the keyboards. your jam really you think i just sang that one better than any other one yes yeah i do like i outshined you on this yes yeah i feel you did wow really i didn't it's hard to do uh steve can't think of his last name (laughs) (laughs) maybe because i have a naturally higher voice than you and so does he could be yeah well you guys let us know was this my best one yet and did i do better than sarah and in general whose voice do you enjoy more or are we totally equal on that one? All right. Well, Either way, I think you found your new karaoke jam. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Duly noted. Well, I can stop trying to do, I like to move it, move it. It's just why too would, hard. Yeah. I why would anyone goes, try to do it? Nice treat. Fantastic. It just gets too fast. Anyway, we're getting off topic here. This is already a long episode. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Jacked on the Beanstalk podcast. Have a great week, everybody. And we will be back real soon, hopefully with crystal clear audio. Shorky sisters. Ah!